we never try to pitch our solution on first call. We are just focusing on what are their current challenges, problems. What are they doing today? Where are they seeing those uh, loopholes or what is it that's not working for them? So give us a clear idea on what bottlenecks or what challenges these CISOs are facing in mobile security. Welcome to Product Income Maker. Product businesses promise the biggest upside to break free from the time for money trap and enjoy the product selling itself and scale effortlessly. Yet on the path to success, entrepreneurs run into product market misfit, financial pressures, team dynamics, and self-doubt. This podcast is about how entrepreneurs overcome these challenges and grow profitable product businesses, how they become product income makers. Our guest today is Harshit Agarwal, the founder and CEO of Appinox, helping enterprise secure their mobile apps. They have reached more than 70 paying customers with an ACV of $20,000, today at a run rate of 1.7 million ARR with only $750,000 seed investment from 2014. Harshit, you are an inspiring product income maker. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ohad. Uh, happy to be here. Harshit, can you tell us about how did you discover the original pain of customers around mobile security, perhaps at the beginning, and then how did you evolve this discovering that pain when you evolved to discover it uh, within enterprises? We started our company back in 2040. Back then, we saw a lot of enterprises moving to mobile first or mobile focus approach. So we definitely saw that mobile is going to become primary for a lot of businesses. As we see now, I think mobile has become primary mode of interaction and the way internet is introduced, majority of the population. Back then, our ICP that we initially started, internet companies, any internet company that used to raise funding or uh, release mobile-focused applications, uh, we used to reach out to them and try to convert them to the customer. For us, ICP discovery has been an always ongoing process. But the major change happened in 2017-18, I think, when we were going to space. Because in our initial ICP that we chose, we realized these are early stage companies. So eventually half of them don't survive. The ones that survive for them also mobile is just one-time activity. So it's not a repetitive behavior that we are able to build out of them. So in 2017, we went through a tight process of discovering the ICP where we did a lot of customer interviews. So ideally we had zero down on three major ICPs and we did roughly around 20 or 30 interviews with each of those ICP, out of which the ICP that we got a fair response or probably where we could match problem statement with what value we are offering was the banking sector. So in 2017, we zeroed down on banking as the sector. And that's where I think our journey from SMB or early stage companies to enterprise happened. Within a year, we were able to close roughly around six odd banks with again the ACV of roughly around $20,000. And within a year, I think more than doubled our revenue back in 2018 led to a conclusion that, okay, not only were we able to discover the ICP, but that validated and we, then we doubled down and tried to increase that, move outside India with similar uh, and capture more of enterprising same ICP. And as for today, I think we are working with Fortune 500 and a lot of other ICPs uh, along with it, MSSPs and a lot of other different ICPs that we are continuously figuring out and growing as we go to the next stage of journey. 
How did you discover it in the beginning? Did you happen to know early stage companies and you just introduced yourself and interviewed them? And then how did you discover it with banks? Was that through advisors, through introductions, by calling them up? What was the method? I think one of the things that worked very well for us and is still working is LinkedIn and email. We completely relied on these two activities. The good part about our kind of offering is that we can detect those issues early in this mobile apps before we reach out to them. But that does not work in bigger enterprises because then if you're interacting with CISOs, we can offer them as well. But at least in early days, what we did, uh, I'm talking about 2015 to 2017, was that we used to find security issues, applications and reach out to their co-founders, CTOs, ID, and tell them that your mobile app is vulnerable and ideally you need a platform like ours to keep it secured as you're releasing more and more versions of a mobile app. CISOs, the way we reached out, LinkedIn worked out for us. We reached out through LinkedIn. Initially, it was challenging. I think we reached out to roughly around 70 to 80 CISOs in our ICP and we just got response from 5 to 7 of them. But once we were able to connect with one or two of them, it's very easy to get recommendations and connections from them. Definitely, it's a very close-knit network they have. So once you are in road, it, it becomes very easy for you to interact with other CISOs and try to have more of those interviews. And how did you validate their willingness to pay? So I think the ICP question, uh, we used consultative approach. Our basic question was that what are the challenges you are facing on application security? Though our offering is on mobile, but we try to understand what are their bottlenecks. We never try to pitch our solution on first call. That is something that we refrained uh, at all when we were doing the discovery calls at least. Because there, there will be a perception that will set and accordingly we might get false answers and might result in us not validating it correctly. That complete exercise was really helpful because while discussing, you're just focusing on what are their current challenges, problems, what are they doing today, where are they seeing those uh, loopholes or what is it that's not working for them. So that gave us a clear idea on what bottlenecks or what challenges these CISOs are facing in mobile security. And that is something that we transformed as a messaging on our website, emails and all, as we proceeded further to create different channels of GTM and all. And that is something we picked as a marketing message and try to replicate that, try to grow over and above that. So I, that approach really helped for us to ensure that we get clarity on what are those bottlenecks. And then later we used to do a mapping between what challenges they have and what offerings we have. And can we really solve it with what we have in hand? The second con subsequently was about how AppNox can help them. And a lot of them saw a value over there. So it was easy win for us. So closure times are higher. When we move from SMB to enterprise, overall deployment time or enabling or making our product ready for enterprise also took us almost six to eight months. They wanted SSO and few other enterprise specific features that we didn't have. And none of the SMB actually asked for it. Let's talk about distribution sales and marketing. But before that, let's just review the metrics that you're currently at. So I believe you're at 1.7 million ARR. I was 70 something paying customers, roughly on average paying $20,000 per year. Is that yeah, that's right. So you mentioned the churn is only in the signal digits. Is that correct? Yeah. It's in one to two percent per year. And our NRR, it's upwards of 100%. So net dollar retention is upwards of 100%. Yeah, not dollar retention. Sorry, 101? 101% I think. Because we measure it on monthly basis. That's the average of last six months. Uh, we have been at upwards of 100% since almost last one and a half years in NRR. So yearly? NRR is 110%. Is that correct? 
it's roughly around 103%. Yearly or monthly? Yearly. Yearly. Okay. And so with such a nice retention and low churn, what are you looking at in terms of lifetime value and CAC ratio? Roughly is $2,200 and the recovery period is only for three to four months. So within three to four months, we are able to recover our costs. Overall, I think it's looking very strong for us. It's only about adding more of these enterprises as we scale up. We don't have major churns in any of these enterprises. I think most of the churns that we are seeing are also in the lower segment of our customers because they are not our ideal ICP as well as we are scaling up and growing. Uh, and that is a good churn to have. Great. So can you share with us what's working in terms of a distribution and what not being working. You talked about emails and LinkedIn, but perhaps other channels. So I think LinkedIn and email is something that we started with, but eventually inbound became a primary channel. Since last four, a majority of our leads that we have generated has been through inbound. We have progressed into becoming a more inbound dependent channel. And outbound has depleted to almost zero up to late last year. I think early this year, we started doing outbound again. So we have picked up a LinkedIn and outbound email as another channel. Apart from that, one of the channels that has been very effective for us is a distribution or reseller channel, where we look at managed security service providers who are already selling a lot of product offerings around different other cybersecurity areas. For them, upselling or cross-selling AppNox is just another product that they're adding with similar ICP, similar customer segment. So we try to uh, onboard more of these MSSPs and that's overall has been very effective channel. In cybersecurity specifically, I think the behavior, uh, there has to be a trust between the company that is acquiring you and the part with whom they are acquired with. And with that trust, I think they can enable or they can onboard another OEM. So we just try to be uh, with those MSSPs and try to enable these enterprises for automated security testing along with them. And for these OEM, for these MSSPs also, the benefit is that they can further sell their services and a lot of other things over and above our platform. So there is more value add for them also. And it's easy to get into an uh, offering that we have. So any new sales also, if they want to do a reach out to your call, we can be an entry point for them and then they can cross sell and upsell a bigger platform uh, where ticket sizes are upwards of $100,000. So what are you willing to offer these channels? What are they getting out of it? Is it a percentage of sales? Is it some uh, upfront yeah. fees? The way channels mostly work is that it's basically a co-work environment that we have created where we generate leads for them. We do marketing, we do webinars and all with them. We try to uh, create leads for them and then we help them close those leads. Uh, any of the channel partner ideally makes nearing 30 to 40% as profit margin for any sales that happen. And that itself motivates them to do more and more sales. As I mentioned, one of the good points that AppNox has is that it's very easy for them to pitch in and get it with a lower ticket size of $20,000. And then they can look at selling bigger uh, offerings that they have of dollars to $100,000. So that creates a good entry point for these enterprises. Get started, set their foot in, and then try to increase their business from these bigger banks, enterprises that ideally we are chasing. And uh, I think the third and most important is that they already have a working relationship with the CISOs in those regions. So it's very easy for them to just reach out to them and tell them that, okay, there is something around this we want to try. And post that, I think we have a system where once the POC is in, we have a managed process where it goes through a very managed POC channel 
to their sales rep, then we help them make sure that we convert them together. So with that kind of support, it becomes very easy for them to just initiate that first level of connection and try to build that. And at the end, just get the check signed. So I think these are two things where channels majorly come into picture. So they make 30 to 40% of your ACV for the first year, all year. Yeah. All year. And ideally, we work with them is that we give them 30% discounted price on what we are selling to the customer. So they make this 30% by selling it at our price. So they sell it at the price you would sell it. They pay 30% less. Yeah. And are you literally billing the channel or are you billing the customers and then paying them a fee? Billing the channel, but we keep support and everything with us. And channel bills to the customer because most of these regions where we are working like Middle East or Southeast Asia and all. The cross-border payment and all is also not so smooth. So it's better that we have channels taking care of their bill. We build it and they build to their customers. Let's talk about challenges. What's been hard throughout this journey? I know you went through a pivotal moment in 2017 or 18 with hardly any cash in the bank, but perhaps other challenges that you're facing today, how are you overcoming them? So I think challenges and bottlenecks is one thing that are constantly there. It just keeps on evolving. Uh, initial days, uh, when we started, uh, we raised funding, we saw that it felt that it's a victory for us. But later, we realized that it's more of a, a task that we have taken and we should have done it in a better way. So the learning from there helped us ensure that we grow with keeping in mind that we are growing without losing on dollars. So ideally, I think the value creation or value size model uh, people are talking about, where we make sure that every dollar we invest, we take at least $1.2 out of it. But with that kind of growth, over uh, the growth has been comparatively slower for us. And that is a challenge we are going through and changing the entire company's mindset from being very, very price sensitive before we take any decision or experiment or anything to going aggressive. So that whole shift is a big change that we are trying to do now. But again, uh, before I even blame my team, I think I am facing issue on trying to go through that change. So, so I are now trying to transition ourselves from a slow growing, but profitable, a fast growing and burning money as well. Not really saving, but at the end of the day, surviving is not coming to a situation where we were around 2017, 18, where we were about to die, but making sure that we are able to grow as well. Like whole thing is a big change that we are trying to put now, go through now. Uh, we're still figuring out how we should do that uh, and uh, go ahead with that particular change. But I'm sure, I think, that is something that we will again fight back, uh, figure it out as we have done earlier. Apart from that, I think we are also trying to grow in few of the regions. We have been one of the players that has built our niche uh, leadership, but still, I think there are countries where we are not at all present, uh, especially countries like US or Europe, uh, where we have some presence, but I think it's not significant. We are trying to figure out, struggling with how exactly we should do that. Learning uh, as we speak. So... Perhaps you're talking about the willingness to set a few experiments out there that may or may not work and may burn some cash. But hopefully, yeah. if you set enough experiments, then hopefully one or two or three of these daring experiments will create the level of growth that will be kind of a hockey stick yeah. and not so much of a conservative growth. So if you can share with us, maybe here is one crazy idea or one experiment that you're perhaps considering and deliberating on doing, which may or may not work. Definitely. I've done a lot of uh, experiments that have not worked. 
a few have, uh, for example, in SaaS generally we have this competitive uh, pay that most of the players have. They say Appnox versus ABC, Appnox versus XYZ. So we tried creating something similar, but we realized that we did not realize that it backfired from some of these bigger enterprises by getting a notice from there where I think uh, we could not really name them on our website and how we are better. Uh, that is what that happened very recently. Apart from that, uh, going out and fight, I think we are running a lot of ad campaigns and all in those regions very actively. I think overall ad spend has almost grown to 3 to 4x since last quarter. So is it around three or $4,000 per month you're spending? A little more than that, I believe. I think earlier we were spending roughly around $2,000, Now it's roughly around seven to $8,000 that we are spending, which again, for a company that is investing from the river is a lot of investment that we are doing. Apart from that, I think hiring in US is another addiction that we are getting into, which we have to hire. I think as we are scaling up, looking at energy in our vertical, it's again a very expensive resource to have on payroll. If we get into that, we need at least someone to run that for two to three quarters before we get to see any of the results. So the ROI can be measured after a year from the moment we take a call, invest, uh, do that. Uh, apart from that, I think we have started a lot of outbound exercise. I told you that earlier this year, uh, outbound overall was something that we were nil or zero at, like cold calling, and that has worked. That is, again, cheap experiments that have worked. There have been experiments that have failed, but cold calling overall has worked for us. Cold email is, uh, again, something that we have doubled down again uh, in the last quarter and that has shown some effective results. I think it will take some time for us to make a little better. So I think these are things that we are doing. Most of them seem like a small experiment, but for us, where we are like already a 50 member team with 1.7 to 2 mil revenue, it's very high cost that we are incurring on all of it. Moving fairly net positive, uh, profitable company to a net negative uh, burning company. So overall, I think next Two to three quarters will be very critical in this growth journey as we are getting into it. I'm positive. I'm sure that even if it does not work, we'll have a lot of learning and then we'll figure out. I think we are being through words. So this again will pass through. Can you share with us some recommendations for books, tools, podcasts, and blogs that you're following or do you yeah. recommending other entrepreneurs to follow as well? I recently read the book from Ben It's about a very nice book. I think if I would have read this five years back, I'm sure. The way or where I would have been with Akno uh, would have been completely different point. A lot of learning from it. The other is multipliers because as we were growing our team, I realized how uh, the team that we're hiring and motivation and where they are heading is very important. So multipliers in a book that any founder should read. Tools that I'm fan of, two majorly, two uh, big tools, I think, which, which I depend on day in, day out. One is HubSpot, the other is Slack. Uh, the way we have used our HubSpot, we are on the entire stack of HubSpot uh, and that has been a journey itself. I think it took us two, two and a half years to go from one bit of HubSpot to another. And overall, that product itself is something that motivates me because it gives a clear journey of how a customer came for one bit and then it grew to the entire stack of HubSpot. Similarly, Slack, the way they have integrated make a must-have tool internally, like the integrations that we use over there. Ideally, I don't open my email so often. Slack and HubSpot uh, itself keeps me updated on whatever is happening at the RBRL end-to-end. What are opportunities you're looking for through sales, acquisitions, perhaps to expand your product portfolio or fundraising with three to four months of sales and marketing recovery? I'm sure fundraising could be an option and interesting for many investors to invest. 
So I think that's uh, this case, we're majorly looking at growing in uh, some of the Western countries itself. And uh, we are looking for active channel partners in that region. Uh, apart from that, we are also hiring for some of the leadership positions like engineering manager, reps and sales, as I mentioned. Ideally, someone who has done that in UA, customer support. So, so a lot of openings that we have up here on 10 to 12 openings that are ongoing at apps currently. So if anybody is looking at joining a growing company, I think we have a platform and we would love to have them on. What about acquisitions or partners? Partners, MSSP, definitely yes. Acquisition, uh, not up the chart. Fundraising, again, not up the chart. If there are cybersecurity specific investors, we would be happy to interact with them and understand how they can help us. So Harshit, founder and CEO of Apinox in the mobile security space, differentiated with security quality for mobile apps using real devices rather than emulators. 1.7 million ARR serving more than 70 customers looking to expand in the US and Europe, looking for channel partners and sales and customer support talent. Harshit, thanks so much for sharing your product income making journey. Thanks a lot, Ohad. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you for listening. For show notes and company KPIs, visit productincomemaker.com. Search through dozens of inspiring product ideas and growth strategies. Visit productincomemaker.com.